Minneapolis, Iowa this past week on January the 22nd as individuals were driving to work, they noticed a billboard that had just been put up the day before and they saw a man that was sitting on top of the billboard just as the sun was starting to rise. It still wasn't bright outside and so 911 calls began to come in one right after another. There were neighbors and citizens of that area that were concerned for the life of the man that was surely about to jump off the top of that billboard. But instead, it was just a mannequin that the Mazda dealership had placed up on top to show people how close you were. He was saying on the billboard, you can see our dealership from this sign right here. Now, the owner of the dealership said these words about the 911 calls. I don't want to be tying up their line. I'm here to sell cars, not to get people hurt. And so he's very willing to take down the mannequin on top. I wonder how many of those people that called, concerned about the life of who it might be on top, were pro-choice. How is it that we can be so confused about the value of life on top of a billboard versus the value of life in the womb? Tonight, as we think about the sanctity of human life, and we spend these next few minutes just revealing and a type of reminder, a type of let's bring our head out of the sand. I do want to begin real, by, by stating and reminding us all that this is a topic that, that is explosive with emotion. This is a topic that is oftentimes full of regret. This is a topic that we have no desire to bring up uh, to individuals, uh, feelings of guilt that, that you've already been forgiven of. There's not anybody in this room perfect. Every one of us are sinners and every one of us are saved by the same gracious God. And, and we are thankful for that. But yet, at the same time, we must talk about a problem that is plaguing our culture here in America. Because if we listen to the voice of our culture, we're going to be definitely misguided. I think about the last verse in the book of Judges. In other words, this is how the book ends. Judges, the 21st chapter, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The idea that their moral compass was simply whatever they individually perceived was right. But notice how that statement is tied to the fact they didn't have a king. In other words, the summary here was that if people had a leader, the leader could help them find a better compass in life. But yet when we fast forward, we see that Israel only did better if the king did better. If the king had a moral compass, a spiritual guide of the Almighty God, he would lead the people in that direction. But if the king did not have that kind of guide, he would lead the people toward idolatrous ways that were oftentimes sensual and fleshly. But the point is this that I want us to see. When we hear so many different versions of what is right and what is wrong, our plea is not to make our argument. Our plea is to say, what if every one of us here tonight go back to what God says? What is right in the sight of God as it comes to the value and the sanctity of life? But yet I give you a warning. In The Unstoppable Force, a book by Aaron McManus, I'd like to read you a quote, and it's a little bit lengthy here, and I'm not recommending the book to you at all necessarily, 
But I want you to notice what he says here. And as I read this a few weeks ago, I found myself thinking, that's where many of us are as it comes to this topic of the value of life in the womb and what is happening in America as Americans do not value the life in the womb. He says this, I was sitting in my living room going through a periodical. On the second page, I saw a full-page photograph of a little Somalian boy whose body was ravished by famine. His head was swollen. His body was nothing more than skin and bones. The backdrop was clearly a desert, barren and lifeless. And standing directly behind him as he staggered to the ground was a vulture waiting for him to die. This photograph incensed me. I was overwhelmed with anger. As my wife Kim looked at it, she began to weep. After looking at the picture time and time again, I finally grabbed the magazine and I closed it as if it were pornography. I felt that my home had been invaded, that my consciousness had been violated. Kim asked me why I was so angry and frankly, I was uncertain at that time. But soon it became clear to me I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know that somewhere on this planet there was a little boy who didn't have the strength to make it to a water station. I didn't want to know that a famine has a face, that suffering has a name. The one photograph robbed me of my peace of mind. It robbed me of my ignorance. It robbed me of any innocence I could hold on to. For the next few minutes, our goal is real simple. We want to rob everyone here of the innocence that if you think everything is okay tonight, if you think that every child in America is safe, even if they're in the womb, let's reveal the reality. That's not the case at all. Isaiah, the fifth chapter and verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, who to those who are wise in their own eyes, notice we're back to that again, and prudent in their own sight. And then he warns of the dangers of drinking and wine and mixed intoxicating drinks. And then in 23, he warns of, warns of bribery. And then in 24, if you go back to last Sunday night's lesson of sowing and reaping, what happens when a group of people look at evil and call it good? It's pro-choice. What happens when a group of people look at good and call it evil? Here's the, the sowing and reaping part in 24. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will ascend like dust. Why? Because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. We can do what is right, moral compass. We can do what is right in our own eyes. And if that is the case, we'll oftentimes call good evil and we'll call evil good. Or we can accept the word of the Lord. Instead of despise, we can cling and love the word of the Lord. And if we will do that, we, not because of our own wisdom, but because of God's righteousness, will always call good good. And we'll always call evil evil. So what is happening around us in America today? The U.S. abortion rate 
per thousand women between the ages of 15 and 44 each year is somewhere around 17 or 18 per thousand each year. We're not talking about over the lifetime. We're talking about you line up 15-year-olds, 44-year-olds, and we say, how many of this 1,000, just take this morning's attendance, how many would have an abortion this year? 17 or 18 would have an abortion this year. The next slide shows us the U.S. abortion ratio per 100 pregnancies. Per 100 pregnancies, around 20 to 20 2% of each pregnancy that will be conceived this year will end in an abortion. In other words, that's somewhere between one every four and every five pregnancies will end in abortion. So let's fast forward 18 years and let's go to the graduation. And what if the names at graduation were being read and three names were read and then the one reading the name says, let's pause for a moment of silence of the child that was aborted. And three to four names were read again, and then there was a pause. Say, let's pause, moment of silence for the child that's been aborted. We're talking about a problem that since Roe v. Wade passed in 1973, there's estimated 57 million abortions that we know of just here in America. Now, to try to grasp what that means, the population of Tennessee is only... Uh, is slightly less than six and a half million. So we're taking the state of Tennessee, every living being in the state of Tennessee, and their life is being taken away almost nine times. And that's what has happened since 1973. Almost one of every three women will have an abortion by the time they're 45 years of age. I bet you haven't heard me quote Nikki. Minaj lately, have you? <clears throat> this hip-hop artist was interviewed on E! Online. And, and I do not say this to, to uh, make light by no means or, or to uh, even make light of her pain. Please don't think I mean that at all. I, my heart breaks for her and, and for women that, that are hurting in the way that she is hurting. And, and the title of this article on E! Online is she recalls having an abortion. This is the title. Recalls having an abortion as a teen. It haunted me all of my life. And at 16 years of age, she had an ab abortion. She's 32 years old now. And, and toward the end of the article, she talks a little bit about it. And then finally she says this line. This has haunted me. This choice I made has haunted me all of my life. It'd be contradictory if I said I wasn't pro-choice. She reveals before adding, I wasn't ready. I didn't have anything to offer the child. On one hand, I understand, I think, what she's saying. Thinking about herself as a 16-year-old, what could I do for the child? A 16-year-old that is influenced by a culture that is holding a compass that is not correct. You ever been in the woods lost? Can you imagine using a compass that simply is not correct? You don't know what to do when your life is overwhelmed, and so the only thing you know is to look to a compass. And when we look to the compass of today's culture, what is going to be the answer every time? If a 16-year-old today looks at the compass of our culture, the answer every time is going to be abortion is your solution. But I want you to go back to her last line where she says, I didn't have anything to offer a child. I want to remind every one of us here, 
that when we look up for our compass, what we find out is, yes, you had something wonderful to offer that child. You could have offered that child their life. Our culture's not going to tell us that. And so tonight, I want us to be reminded from God of the sanctity of life. If we accept abortion is killing a child, where will the killing stop? Now, where did that statement come from? Nikki said that she's thought over and over for these last 16 years how she killed her child. I mentioned this to you back in October because this year, because of the Amendment 1 vote, we've had more talk this past 12 months than we usually do about the sanctity of life. And hopefully that's a good thing. But I want, I want to stress this to you again. And I want you young people to remember this. And, and we all need to remember this. And, and I do not want to be a prophet of doom in saying this. But let me tell you, it wasn't that many years ago you rarely heard anybody talk about their abortion and in the same sentence they talked about it as a child. That is becoming more and more common. And someone says, well, that's good. That's good because people realize. No, in the same breath, they're talking about taking the life of their child. They then, as she did, they're defending themselves and saying, and I am still pro-choice. Do you see where this is going over the next 10, 15, 20 years? The more our culture is common, Talking about abortion, whereas a few years ago, it was only talked about as a fetus. Nobody wanted to admit that it was a child. Now, it's, it's comfortable to call it a child. And so in 2012, there was a Journal of Medical Ethics in February 23rd, 2012, where the article was entitled, After Birth Abortion. Did you catch that? After birth abortion, why should the baby live? And the article was proclaiming that, that children uh, up to a certain age, it should be okay to take their life. One, one statement here was, merely being a human is not in itself a reason for ascribing someone a right to life. Where does that take us? That takes us to reveal how far we can go from what is right and yet call it good if we, each one, leave our sense of direction of what, what is right and what is wrong up to our own reasoning. As I read all of that, I couldn't help but think of Proverbs, the 14th chapter and verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That verse wasn't written only about an abortion. But isn't it interesting that that is exactly the case with this topic. So as we think about this portion of our lesson tonight where we think about the reveal. The reveal is, let's be uncomfortable with this. Let's let our heart break enough over this that we say, I'm not going to be silent. I'm not going to go to bed at night and pretend everything is okay. This breaks our heart enough. We'll want to do something about it.